This show contains strong language and sexual content. If you're a minor looking for information or help without all the grown-up stuff, visit mygayagendapodcast.com for resources. This episode contains discussion of use of the F-slur, online discourse, misgendering, a problematic Philly producer with the initials J.S., the U.S. Confederacy, and a brief mention of sexual harassment. It also contains discussion about the LGBTQIA community, but you probably figured that out already. It's right in the title. Monday, we're super gay. Tuesday is also gay. Wednesday is still pretty gay. And Thursday, I have a night class. Friday, we continue to be gay. Saturday is the gayest day. Sunday, yeah, it's still gay, but we also record a podcast. Welcome to My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast where we interview the queer community and plan our world domination. My name is Jay. My name is CJ, and we are here to talk about whatever it is that cishet people think it is we're doing. But CJ, what's on the buy schedule for today? Well, every diva's gotta start somewhere, and sometimes that's at birth. Welcome, diva baby. (laughs) Oh my god. That is the best intro I have ever received in my entire life. Thank you so much. (laughs) With how much you perform, I'm truly honored. (laughs) Well, see, in Philadelphia, they typically ask you uh, to tell you how to introduce them or yourself. Mm. And I typically just tell people to say, she's definitely a drag queen. It's Diva Baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's extremely good. <laughs> but I like yours better. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. I, I've i gotten that once or twice as somebody who like dabbles in Philly nightlife. And I never know what to say for myself. I feel like I'm always just going to be like, well, they're going to do their best. Mm-hmm. It's CJ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Here's my, CJ. <laughs> my drag mother is from uh, another city and she has never, she has toured as well. She's, you know, been all over and she has mm-hmm. never been asked to provide a tagline until she lived in Philadelphia. I think it's, I think it's a very Philly specific phenomena. I don't know. I think maybe we need to get, um, do some research, figure out why it is. I have a theory. Okay. Lay I think Philly is just a very catchphrase-oriented city mm. in general. Yeah. And I think that has bled into yeah. the nightlife. I think that that is very true. My theory is that um, in Philadelphia, more than in other nightlife scenes, there is a huge overlap between drag and burlesque. And mm. taglines are pretty much a standard in burlesque, um, from yeah, what I understand. Gotcha. Like, burlesque performers all over the country have their tagline, and they've worked on it, and they've crafted it. Mm-hmm. So, that's my theory. I think that, I think our, I think it's somewhere in between our two theories. Probably. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Plus, like, I feel like there's a sort of, like, fuck you about it to Philadelphia in general, where it's like, I'm not coming up with your fucking tagline, you figure that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I feel. I'm like, how would you introduce me? Why are you asking me to introduce myself? You know, you you know me enough to have booked me. You must know some things about me. I don't know. <laughs> Come up with something cute. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. It's delegated hosting. Yes. Yeah, it is very that. Um, which is why when people ask me how they should introduce me, I just say, just say she's a drag queen. Because that's all people really need to know. Yeah. 
Go figure the rest of it out. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so want to tell us a little about you? Yeah. So, so as mentioned before, I'm definitely a drag queen. Um, <laughs> well established. <yes. laughs> I'm also a uh, performance artist, uh, classically trained actor. And um, what's my third hyphen? Let me think of something. Um, bedwetter. Oh, all right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Put it I'm... on the business cards. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I haven't wet the bed in a very long time. Put that on the business cards. Yes. yes. <laughs> a big girl. Big girl. That's my third one. <laughs> are, we still, are we still brainstorming taglines? Because I think there's some golden ones here. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. She's a diva baby, but she won't wet your bed. No, she won't, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm a Philly-based uh, drag queen event producer. That was the third one. And performance there artist. I am a classically trained actor who discovered that they were trans and um, decided that it would be probably be easier to navigate nightlife than it would be to navigate the theater world as a trans person. And I Mm. sort of pivoted while I was in grad school getting my MFA. So that was very interesting for all of my teachers and advisors to have a student who wasn't interested in being um, an actor anymore Mm. in an acting program. (laughs) But yeah, now I'm just, you know, uh, a queer uh, faggot who likes to go to parties and also likes to throw them. Hell yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah, I I feel like the um, stuff about uh, your um, transitioning uh, while getting your MFA lends itself pretty well to asking about your queer journey. Mm -hmm. If I were to talk about my queer journey, I would have to go back to childhood. I was a very, very femme little boy. I'm using air quotes listeners when I say boy. Mm. And I let's rewind to the first time I ever did drag. It was uh, my kindergarten talent show. (gasps) And I wanted to sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow from The Wizard of Oz for my kindergarten talent show. And my mom had the idea that I should dress up as Dorothy because I loved her so much. So I did. And she she got a pair of like size, like extra, extra small, uh, like tights, control top tights. And mm-hmm. she cut the legs into three strips and braided them. And that was my wig. Oh my gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I wore like a nice like Halloween adventure Dorothy costume. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. And I went up in front of my entire elementary school and sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And my mom always tells the story that afterwards, other parents were coming up to her, talking about how cute her daughter was and how how beautiful a voice your daughter has. You should really, like, (sighs) nurture that talent. Your daughter is so talented. And I think it really um, kind of threw my mother into this sort of, like, existential um, parental crisis, maybe. Because Mm. um, not two months later, I was in therapy for the first time at the ripe age of, like, six. And Mm. it wasn't... It it never was uh, with the goal of, like, fixing me so much as it was... um, 
you know, because my mother, my parents are, my mother is very liberal. <laughs> She's very mm-hmm. um, accepting. Uh, she grew up with, you know, her mother having gay friends. My my mom used to go to New Hope like every weekend and visit her gay friend and like, you know, go out to the gay bars and go to drag shows and all of that. So she knew what a faggot was. Um, I think right. she just wanted to understand me. And I remember mm-hmm. a lot. I, I don't, you know, as most of us queer people, I... I don't think I know a single queer person who remembers more than maybe 50% of their childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that shit's gone. Yeah, basically. right, right. <laughs> so uh, I don't really remember, like, the reason why I went to therapy. I just remember being asked multiple times things like, do you want to be a girl? Like, is that something that you want? Or, like, why do you insist on peeing sitting down? Like... What's, what is it about that? Do you want to be a, do you want to be a girl? Because if you do, like, that's okay. Like, do you want to be a girl? And the answer was always no. No, I don't want to be a girl. I'm just pretty. Like, (laughs) I'm just pretty. What a response. (laughs) (laughs) And now, you know, when people ask me what my gender identity is now, I do say, I think the easiest way to slice it is I identify as pretty. Mm. I've always been attracted to the glamour, to pretty things, to sparkles and pink and long hair and all of that. And I just identify as pretty. I don't know. It's a hard Mm. road, but someone has to walk down it. (laughs) Someone, when, when you are this stunning, you know, you have to, you have to wield that responsibly. Thank you, know, you. Exactly. Just yes. like Peter Parker. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's the <laughs> beginning. Also trans. Yeah. Oh, Peter Parker, trans icon. Oh, yeah. trans boy. Yes. Trans boy. One thousand like percent. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me otherwise. I refuse. No, injecting a venom into his veins to make him strong. Trans. Boy. Come on. Trans. Trans boy. Trans boy. One hundred percent. So yeah, that's the beginning of the queer journey. And then that was followed by maybe uh, 12 years of repression. Um, I don't know if either of you have had this experience of people telling you what you are um, your whole life. And, you know, it was very much that. It was very much like, oh, that's gay. You're gay. Or, Mm. oh, you want to be a girl. Or, um, you know, things like that. And I, I found... More than anything else, that was kind of the biggest delay in my finding of myself, I think. It was other people's imposition of, of what they think I was or what I should be. So I came out as gay in eighth grade. I like had my first boyfriend. And, or sorry, I came out as bisexual first because, mm-hmm. let's be real, it was 2006, you know, like... <laughs> Things are a little less, uh, there's less language then than there is now. Mm -hmm. So I came out as bisexual because I was like, well, girls are really pretty and I want to be around them because they're pretty and I like to be around pretty people. So, you know, up until then I was like, oh, if I think a girl is pretty, I must have a crush on her. I must want to marry her. (gasps) Is it a crush or is it gender envy? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, relatable. It's the relatable content. <laughs> yeah. 
So, you know, I did have my, like, I was, I was kind of a uh, Casanova in middle school, if you will, dating girls and. Ooh, a lot. Yeah. You know, (laughs) (laughs) just thinking about like making out in middle school, but like nobody opens their mouth, but you're just like pressing your face against somebody for 45 (laughs) seconds. Mash, 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 mash. Did a lot of that (laughs) with a lot of girls, broke a lot of hearts, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, then I became a faggot and I didn't really look back. Um. I do identify as a faggot. I, I'm reclaiming the slur. Up until, you know, moving to Philadelphia and really, like, being on my own and going out and seeing other trans people, like, not as a plot point or documentary character or mm. a quote in an article or whatever, but just as, like, real people out in the world, like seeing a trans person in Philly, like behind the counter at a coffee shop. Like I'd never seen a trans person working before I moved Mm. here. And that, that really opened things up for me. Um, And really brought me into this place now where I feel like I am a non-binary, pretty faggot femme. And that's my identity. That's my journey. I think, I think that's it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's wonderful yeah i i i don't know if it's philly or just the world at large i feel like a lot of people are doing similar where they're reclaiming faggot as like a identity moniker yeah mm-hmm. growing up i remember because i used to do um this is so embarrassing i used to do slam poetry <laughs> nobody's perfect <laughs> i kid to the slam poets i kid i kid yes uh, i don't i don't um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we're bringing the hot takes. <laughs> no, I loved it. It was, it was a really wonderful moment and journey and all of that. But I remember like identifying as queer at the time and then going to nationals because I'm from Delaware. So to get on the nationals team for slam poetry from Delaware, is like very easy. It's basically just like who wants to go and who has $500 for a plane ticket. Like that was the right. criteria. So I, I remember like going to nationals and being like, yeah, we're about, we're all queer. Everybody on my team is queer and having people like bristle at the word mm. queer, you know, people from like uh, Mississippi or people from the Midwest really like mm. still identify that word or at the time in like 2010 identified that word as a slur. And I can't relate. Um, I think that it's time to reclaim all of the words you know it's yeah it's obviously everyone has their own experiences with words and if a word is a painful association for someone we can hold space for that but every word for us has been used as an insult at some point exactly mm-hmm. every single one exactly yeah, the, the kids bullying me in high school weren't like oh wait what's the correct slur to use for them they just called me gay yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's the um? What's the most normal word that's ever been used as a slur against you? Because I have the one. most. Um, I mean, I feel like I would benefit from an example. Like, if you want okay. to say yours first? All right. So, like, um, people used to just call me girl. Like, hey, mm. girl. What's up, girl? Mm. Or like, mm. hey, green pants. What's up, green pants? Because I was wearing <laughs> green pants. Oh, oh. I, (laughs) there was this one kid who I think definitely was trying to get at that specific type of bullying because 
I well, okay, no. He called me G.I. Jane. To be fair, I did wear a lot of camouflage. I don't know how I thought I was cis and straight, but anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, one time I went to a high school football game with my friends just to see what all the hubbub was about, and I was wearing a beret because I've, of course I was. Right, yeah. And he was like, oh, how are you doing, art hat? <laughs> <laughs> Sure. <laughs> the best and worst insult I've ever heard. It stings, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so mad because like the like pinpoint example is unfortunately a little close to my dead name. So I I'll I'll say that um I cut my hair very short in high school one time and I came in uh to class and uh one of my best friends at the time who I had low standards, so he was also homophobic. Um, but he just looked at me and was like, he said hi to me, but then followed it up with a masculine version of my dead name and said it with, like, that petty high school insult venom. And I was just elated. (laughs) I was like, yes, yes, today I am him. Thank you very much. Backfired. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Backfired. See, it's now a formative memory in my trans journey. You fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> See, my um my birth name is I'm just gonna say it. My birth name is Adam. So I never got that moment. I never got that like a uh, feminization of my name until mm. I worked at a flower shop with this girl from Oh my god, where was she from? Ukraine, I wanna say. Mm-hmm. And her name was Lolita, and she used to call me Adamina. Oh. And I, I was like, oh, I love that. Like, she didn't ever mean it as an insult. She was like, right. I'm going to call you Adamina. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> but I never got that, like, feminization of my name as an insult. Mm. Um, and I, honestly, I'm kind of, like, jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my dead name... Is a feminization of the masculine version. So, like, I was already, like, on that boat. Work. Okay. <laughs> Off the bat. <laughs> yes. Like, it was just going to happen for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, that like, people are going to find a way to insult us no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like, the, yeah. the, the literal vocabulary that they use is here or there. Especially for the queer community yeah. where like that queer has been a part of our nomenclature for like a solid few decades like mm-hmm. this reclaiming stuff is not new information this was happening in like during the aids activism in like the 80s and 90s exactly yeah it's not new at all <laughs> yeah but whatever <laughs> the internet yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like i feel like so much of the the discourse happens online whereas like if you go to any in-person queer space these conversations are not happening no they're not happening but they're it's i think that it is important that they happen because yeah i mean if we're thinking about like kink at pride discourse because (laughs) it may be july when you're listening to this but we are recording this in june in the thick of pride month Mm -hmm. and the people having those conversations typically are, you know, very young people who don't have a lot of real life experience. And I think about myself when I was a, you know, 17, 18 year old queer kid, 
um, and the conversations that I would have with my friends, like my queer friends in private. And I was very lucky to have a lot of queer friends around me. Um, I went to a, a performing arts school that was both a middle school and a high school. Right. Oh. So it follows. Yeah. So there were a lot of, <laughs> there were a lot of queers around me. Um, a lot of, you know, even, even in high school in 2010, a lot of trans kids. And so, you know, we were having those conversations. We were just having them like over one shared cigarette between the four of us, like behind the Walgreens across the street. We weren't having them on right. Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that they're really important. They're, they're really, um, important for a young queer person to really establish who they are and what their worldview is and what they expect of people so that when they, you know, go out into the world, they can be disappointed and, you know, have their expectations met sometimes and figure out the nuances between what they expect the world to be, what the Mm. world actually is and what the world Mm -hmm. actually should be. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I do think also, um, I mean, like, yeah, I think about when I was in college and first discovered feminism and social issues and queerness, and I was too much. (laughs) And we all were. I'm sure we all Um, were. Yeah, and we've mellowed out, because that's what happens. Um, you, you grow into nuance, truly. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yes. I think I think the current youths are also in a very weird space that, we, that they've been put into, where growing up on the internet, they are far too aware of being sexualized. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't mean too aware in, like, because it's, it's good that they're aware, but they shouldn't have to be aware. Exactly, yeah. Um, too aware for their own yeah. good, like for their yeah. own well-being. Yeah. Yes, because they fixate. Even when I the early like start of people being raised on the internet, I was getting the DMs from strange men at like fourteen years old. Oh like, yeah, mm-hmm. kids shouldn't kids shouldn't have to have, like have that such easy access to harassment. Yeah. You know, yes. actually, I I should have mentioned it sooner. The internet was a huge part of my queer awakening. Um, Mm. I, you know, from the age of like, hopefully my mom doesn't listen to this, but if she does, whatever, from the age of like (laughs) 16, I was, you know, I didn't, I knew other queer people, but when you go to a performing arts school with a lot of gays, the gays Mm -hmm. don't tend to be one group anymore. They tend to separate into the cool gays and the not cool gays. And I was, um, by virtue of being very femme, not one of the cool gays. So I didn't have really, like, access to other queer people for dating purposes or anything like that. So I was, you know, going on the internet and and <laughs> going on Craigslist and pretending to be, you know, 19. And, you know, meeting up with men in, like, the woods <laughs> and shit. And, right. um... What was I saying? Yeah, so like I very much became queer on the internet. Mm. For sure. Um in in a very I don't want to say dirty, but I'm going to say dirty. Um <laughs> you know, not very legal kind of unsafe way. And I'm really glad that kids now have safer means of being themselves online. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. 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 For sure. There's there as with many things, there there are things about the internet ha- have really improved yes. since we were growing up, and there are things that have 
unimproved? Yes, sure. things have gotten much worse <laughs> in many places. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you, capitalism. Yes. Uh, so, Diva Baby, what is something you would like to tell cishet people for the very last time, and then you never have to hear about it again? Using they, them pronouns as a default is transphobic. When somebody tells you their pronouns, you should believe them and use them accordingly. When you call a trans woman who uses she, her pronouns exclusively, they, them, you are, in fact, misgendering her. And the same Mm -hmm. thing goes for cis people. If you call a cis man they, them, when you know that he exclusively uses he, him, you are misgendering him. Now, that's not transphobic Mm -hmm. to misgender cis people, is it? Uh, hmm, hmm. No. But you still shouldn't do it. It's a symptom, but not a... (laughs) Yes. You're not committing an act of transphobia against the cis man by calling him they, them. But uh, you should respect people's pronouns. You should believe them when they tell you. Mm, That's what I want to say. I feel like a lot of cis people heard the tip from people, um, which I I would stand by to an extent where it's like, if you are, if you see a stranger and you do not know their gender, do not assume their gender, you can use they, them as a default Mm -hmm. for a person you do not know and have not been told their pronouns the cis people missed that last part and just decided to use they, them for everybody. And that's not correct. Yes. Like, so many people are like, let's make everything gender neutral. And it's like, or like, gender is dead. And it's like, no, some people have genders. A lot of people have genders. That's the... We're not looking to neutralize everything. (laughs) And, And some people find extreme power and euphoria in their gender. And taking that away from them is not fair. Gender is not dead. It's very much alive and well. It lives in my pussy. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Gender is not dead. Gender does not need to die. Gender is simply a social construct. And as such, can be adjusted, and right now should be adjusted accordingly. Exactly. Mm. Misgendering is misgendering is misgendering. Um, I know there's a few of you out there who I think do this by accident because you have so many friends who use they, them now that you just sort of default to it. Um, Practice. Yeah. (laughs) Practice. (laughs) Practice once you know someone's pronouns. Every time you get somebody's pronouns wrong, you should practice using them correctly. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. know, like, I love CJ. They're a great person. We've never met in person, but I follow them on the internet. That's what I would do if I accidentally used the wrong pronouns for CJ. I would say that Mm -hmm. in my head, privately. What I wouldn't do is apologize and ask them to tell me that it's okay and give an excuse <sighs> and all of that garbage. Like, it, it's like, can we just keep it? It happens to me because I work for a nonprofit. That's my, my day job. <laughs> yep, that's, that's where it happens, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, so often people are like, oh, um, you, oh, I'm so sorry I called you by the wrong name. I, I, I'll never do it again. And I'll be like, thank you. And the look that I get from saying thank you to that is like one of just pure incredulity that I didn't tell them that it was okay. Well, it, baby, it's mm-hmm. not okay. Mm-hmm. But I, do I forgive you? Let's see how you address me next time. Maybe I will. 
I don't know. Right. Like, the action you did was not okay, and you know this because you're apologizing right now. Yeah. Period. Like, if you're apologizing in order to seek out reassurance, then you are not apologizing. (laughs) You're begging. Exactly. Uh, So, Diva Baby, what is on your gay agenda? My gay agenda is to get as many people as I possibly can to quit drag. (laughs) Oh, go on. (laughs) I think that it is a really important learning and growing experience for a drag artist to quit and never do it again. I think that there's too many people doing drag and I think that they should quit. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love this as no. I love no. Hold on. I love this as somebody who produces a podcast. Another oversaturated market. Yes, it's not too late to quit podcast. No, it's never too late to quit drag, baby. And here's the thing: when you quit, you can always start up again. But mm. you know, over quarantine, I quit drag briefly for an afternoon, and it was the best afternoon of my life. <laughs> I'm just saying, for your mental well-being, spend a whole day telling yourself that you're not doing drag anymore, and I promise you, it will be a great day. Mm. Huh. There, there was a certain amount of time. Like I've picked up uh, theatrical projects here and there during quarantine. Like I have done some amount of work during quarantine, but like. I, there have been more times I've noticed recently that, like, I'll see an opportunity that I might have tried to go for, not regarding whether or not I gave a shit about the project or not, just because, like, I was like, I need to book myself, I need to work. And it's like, oh, this time, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna quit being a hustling actor for the afternoon. And that's and exactly... that's nice. That's exactly what I'm saying, like... Stop taking these gigs that don't pay you well, that Mm -hmm. um, don't align with your values or who you are as an artist. If you don't want to do drag outside, quit outside drag. If you don't want to do tip spots where you don't get paid like a booking fee, you only get tips, quit tip spots. Quit drag. Know your value. Know what you're worth. I have one gig a month right now, as it is. And... For me, it's really just about quality over quantity. Now, I understand some people are just trying to survive, and I don't knock Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. But um, I'm mostly speaking to hobbyists. Mm. Know what you're worth, whether it be a lot or a little, and, and just act accordingly. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like you taking that $15 booking fee devalues all of us. It devalues the people who are doing this for a living, the people who want to do this for a living. You, you know, taking that, you know, gig with Josh Schoenwolf, it devalues Mm -hmm. all of us. It devalues the entire city. So know your worth and, and quit drag sometimes. That's my gay agenda. Uh, for listeners who aren't privy to the Philly uh, community, you can just go ahead and substitute the name Josh Schoenwolf for, I have to imagine, whatever problematic producer it is in your area who nobody should be working with. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what we mean. Exactly. <laughs> It'll be like those bumpers that are specific to different cities. Like, mm-hmm. go to Chicago yeah. and <laughs> eat a chili dog. <laughs> yeah. And Josh, if you're listening, unblock me on Facebook. <laughs> 
There's no way he's listening no, because he blocked me too. Okay, okay, work. <laughs> As if I didn't get blocked by Josh Schoenwolf. Come uh, yeah, on. <laughs> I didn't even do anything. I didn't do anything. I didn't like a single comment. I didn't make a single post. Just the next thing I knew, I was blocked. Um, it comes. It comes with the territory of being mm-hmm. the daughter of the moon baby. Sometimes you get blocked. Yeah, and you yeah. know what? Sometimes she gets blocked because of me. It, you know, it's two ways. <laughs> yeah, it's an I, exchange. Yeah, I'm completely off of his radar. Do you want me to be a spy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I have my burner Facebook and Instagram account for that. Don't okay. worry. I have I have my ways of keeping touch in touch. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that gay agenda item extremely much. Uh, let's go to the game, shall we? <gasps> oh my god, the game. Yes, hello, I'm uh, Jay, your camp counselor. Um, You can't hear the wrist thing I just did, if you're listening to the podcast, but I I did the wrist thing. Um, I feel like the energy permeates. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pull up the game. I didn't do that. (laughs) We'll talk more about your wrist. It did the thing. (laughs) It's also very bad, and I need to do wrist exercises so I don't get carpal tunnel. Oh, I should do this. Um, all right, so I made a little quiz today. Um, I was very inspired by uh, your name, as I was when we interviewed your mother. Um, and I have a quiz here today about uh, divas who are lauded in gay culture. Oh, sign me up. I'm so excited. Okay. So it's a little twist. <laughs> Instead of like a multiple choice or giving like a full sentence uh, clue, I just have five points of trivia for each of these divas. And they start at the most obscure one I found, and they, well, which some of them are still not very obscure, because I don't know everything about these people, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, the bottom clue is, like, the most obvious one I could think okay. of. Okay, okay. I'm excited. Um, you can listen to all the clues if you want, uh, or if you want to, like, cut in and say it after clue number one, you get... Bonus points. Bonus Amazing. points can be traded in for bragging rights, and that's it. Oh, I love <laughs> yeah. bragging rights. <laughs> um, I couldn't think of a fun name for this game. I just wrote Diva Countdown, but now I'm trying to think of something more fun, like Diva Triva. Do you know this Diva, baby? Do you know this Diva, baby? Do you know this Diva is so much best? Do you know or, this Diva, or, baby? Or baby? Do you know this Diva, comma, baby? Yeah, guess yeah. that Diva, baby. <laughs> oh, Thank you. That's a much better title. That's it. You're That's right. it. All I this do is, is the think power about of collaboration. Yes. All I do all day is think about puns on my drag name. So yeah. <laughs> um, it was Bonus it was already. yeah. It was uh, you know not the first drag name I thought of. I I was almost snotty baby, angry baby, stinky <gasps> baby. Angie oh my god. <laughs> I thought of several different. Diva was the best one though. Sorry to interrupt. Mm. Let's let's go, let's no, play the no, game. No, I'm no, very no excited. All right. Yeah. First diva. All right. Uh, clue one. Uh, s- known for another song, but also the song You Made Me Love You. Clue two. A star was reborn when she starred in one of the four versions of A Star is Born. Why Judy do we Garland. keep making... Yes! Okay. All right. I thought Excellent. so, but a lot of people have You Made Me Love You as their signature song, so I just wanted mm-hmm. to make sure... But yes, Judy. I'm obsessed with Judy Garland. Uh, Moon Baby and I really, really, really wanted to do um, her entire Live at Carnegie Hall album, like as a lip sync performance. 
But she has like a 45 minute medley of Confederate war songs in it. So. Okay, that's challenging. So we decided against it. No! (laughs) Sorry, 45 as in five fewer than 50? Uh, Maybe it's. 425. Maybe it's 25. No, it's like more than 10 minutes. Yeah. That's still a long time. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. way. That's more time than I dedicate to any song, much less a. Yeah. Confederate. A medley. Alright, awesome. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Your fave is problematic, Judy Garland. Yeah, and I'm obsessed with Judy Garland, but I I always have to lead with that fact because, you know. We have to recognize Nobody's nerfing. If your fave is from before 1965, if your fave is from before 2017, they're problematic, honey. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, Just off the bat. Yeah. They've done something. And if if they're from after, they're still on thin ice, baby, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we're off to a fantastic start. Are you ready for diva number two? Mm-hmm. All right. Clue one. Guinness Book of World Records recognized her success in the United States and United Kingdom for having more hits than any female artist in the charts. Clue two. The real boss. Come at me, Bruce Springsteen. Clue three. Diana Ross. Eponym- oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yes. You had me there for a minute. I thought it was going to be Adele, but The Boss is mm. The Boss is a masterpiece of a song and uh Bruce Springsteen can honestly choke. Um <laughs> I don't know if I'm legally allowed to say that if I live in New Jersey. I feel like they'll uh evict me. Uh, yeah, same. Yeah, you're not I'm allowed. like well, I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder, like, I, I have a friend who lives in, like, Asbury Park area, like, Bruce Springsteen's gonna hold them hostage. Mm-hmm. He is. Like, just to torture me specifically. Yeah. He's done it before and he'll do it again. He's a monster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every New Jerseyan knows this. Yeah. yeah. The Jersey Devil <laughs> is Bruce Springsteen. Did you know? Oh my... <laughs> Thank please, you. Please do not Finally. S- please do not slander my problematic fave, the Jersey Devil. <laughs> I'm a cryptid oh my God. geek. <laughs> I love me a cryptid. I love this. I love this. Alright. Alright, next Diva. Clue one was the chief henchwoman in the James Bond movie A View to a Kill. Clue two, Studio 54 Disco Queen. Clue three, pull up to the bumper, a naughty gay anthem or a song about cars? You decide. (laughs) Clue four, one of her biggest records, Slave to the Rhythm, has eight variations of the same song. Grace Jones. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was going to say Grace Jones after the first one because I knew that she was a Bond girl. But there's so many iconic divas who were Bond girls. It's It's true. true. It's true. Um, I love Grace Jones. I'm very inspired by Grace Jones for Moonbaby's birthday. No, birthday? We'll say birthday. For her birthday, I did buy her um, a dozen oysters and a shucking knife because in Grace Jones' rider, when she went on tour, there was a line item for four dozen oysters and an oyster knife. And then parentheses, it would say, Grace shucks her own oysters. (laughs) And so Grace shucks her own oysters. Yes, she does. of course she does. And um, so it was always it was Moonbaby's dream to 
shuck her own oysters. So I made it happen. And now we are both obsessed. And it is the messiest thing. If you ever have the opportunity to shuck your own oysters, do it outside. I beg you. Your house will smell like the ocean for weeks later. Oh, I have to. And they were just letting Grace Jones do that in any old dressing room. I just can't believe her power. It's incredible. The idea that anyone lets Grace Jones do anything. (laughs) As if she needs permission. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, All right. Next, Eva. Um, Clue one. Clue one. I switched the alphabet for a split second, but we're back to numbers. Uh, clue one. <laughs> a social phenomenon um, about information being hidden, removed, or censored on the internet, and then that making it more prolific on the internet was named after oh. this diva. <laughs> I know this one, but go ahead, diva baby. Uh, clue two was the subject of the DJ, uh, of a song by the DJ duo Duck Sauce. Clue three, became the first woman to write, produce, direct, and star in a major studio film. Clue four. Oh, Barbara Streisand. S- <laughs> yes. The yes. Streisand effect. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. 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 I worded that in the most awkward way possible. Not on purpose. It, I just... It's hard to explain it without saying the Streisand effect. That's why they came up with the term uh, the yeah. Streisand effect. Well, I, I think I'll try. So it's the phenomena of, of repression of information leading to the spread of that information right yes there on the is. internet so much more eloquently put thank you <laughs> <laughs> right i, I just <laughs> i'm obsessed with barbara streisand i love her my mama loved her so much every time barbara went on tour my mama went and saw her i had a friend uh growing up too who loved barbara streisand so much that she convinced uh her high school that barbara was her middle name so that when she walked at graduation, they announced her as first name, Barbara, last name, which is not at all her middle name at all in any way, shape, or form. power. Yeah. That absolute power in that. Yeah. Like, they had her middle name in the system and they still believed her. She was like, no, my middle name is That's Barbara. Amazing. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, like, can you say to someone you're wrong when they tell you what their middle name is? Not anymore, but maybe in 2007. You True. 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 Yeah. Um, I just want to share that clue number four for Barbara Streisand was literally just the Star is Born clue from the Judy Garland one copy paste. <laughs> <laughs> Iconic. Iconic. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, okay. There we go. Next, Diva. Clue one. Embraced gay fans while also shutting down rumors that she was a lesbian in an interview without. Clue two, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2020. Clue three, fairy godmother in the best version of Cinderella. Whitney Houston? Yes. Okay. Work. <laughs> the first two really threw me because I never knew that... Well, I knew that there were gay rumors about her because she was gay. I didn't know that she did an out. I was thinking Janet Jackson is what I'm trying to ah, say. Because mm. I know that Janet Jackson was very pro-gay throughout the AIDS crisis mm-hmm. and um, is an icon. But And the I Rock and Roll Whitney. Hall of Fame wouldn't have been 
a big yeah. throw. Th- you know what that tells me? That tells me is we need another Cinderella, and Janet Jackson is the fairy godmother now. Oh, yes. oh I would love that, but <laughs> I I think that the Whitney Brandy Cinderella is so good. You know, it needs to be put in the Library of Congress. Yes, we need to like. Mm-hmm. We need to send it off into space for the aliens. Yeah. Like, it is a cultural touchstone. Compromise. Do we think Janet is open to doing Broadway? You know, okay. at this point, maybe. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. If well, Janet, well, you if you're her. listening, yeah. let's talk. <laughs> Please. Have your people call my people. <laughs> All right, we're in our last couple of divas. Oh, uh, technically, this is the last one. Okay. All right. Clue one. Her tits inspired the name of the first animal cloned by scientists, which is a wild Dolly sentence. Parton. Dolly Parton. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking wild sentence. But an absolute wild. icon. I'm obsessed with Dolly Parton. I want to know who she voted for, though. Yeah, and she's another one who it's like, what an absolute treasure icon, amazing. Wish she didn't do that fucking Dixieland stampede thing. Yes. Where it's yes. like, basically medieval times, but for the Civil War. I yeah. want to believe, because she funded the Moderna vaccine, I want to believe that she's, like, close to the right side. But at the end of the day, she's still a quasi-billionaire. I don't know if she's actually yeah. a billionaire, but she gives that energy. You never know. I don't trust rich celebrities. I do not trust them. That's it's very true. fair. It's true. That's very fair. Plus, if you saw Christmas on the square, the vibes. Oh, uh, yeah. I haven't seen the it. I heard that it is, um, I've heard that it is an absurdist masterpiece. Is that a fair assessment? Um, I think that there are, like, there's good bad movie musicals where it's like this is bad but I'm having a fun time watching it mm-hmm. and there are moments in Christmas on the Square that it is very bad and I'm having a fun time watching it some moments take a million goddamn years and you just want it to stop it's like a two and a half hour movie so it's not cats it's not Cats, I, I'm, though okay. I would argue that right in the middle is a good intermission point in Cats, because nothing is happening, you can go pee, and it's fine. Yeah. It's so, yes. like, that moment just grinds to a halt. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> as long as you're back for Skimbleshanks and his little pants and his little bulge, baby, that movie turns yeah. me into a furry, let's be real. <laughs> okay? I want Skimbleshanks to rip me open and then ruin my credit and then steal all of my furniture. And I would say thank you. I mean, I'm sure that you've looked online for pictures of uh, Stephen McRae, the actor. <laughs> no. Go Google Stephen <laughs> McRae, the actor. That man is a literal sculpture. I'm Like, the only right reason now. they put Skimbleshanks and pants is because otherwise his ass would have actively, like, hit other people in the face and caused injuries. <laughs> like... Holy guacamole. You can see basically nude pictures of this man online. Wait, I don't think I'm finding the same. I'll send you pictures. Please don't do. Worry. Please do. I'll, I'll send you a link. I'm obsessed <laughs> with Cats, the movie, and also the animal. I'm obsessed. I mean, same. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, you <laughs> I'm know. I'm well aware. You know because of my brand. Yes. I am obsessed with uh, pieces of art that shouldn't have ever happened. 
Yes. And Cats is one of them, like, from the beginning. Like, Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, what if I took this T.S. Eliot uh, novella, or collection of poems, mm-hmm. and this giant bag of cocaine, and locked myself in a room, <laughs> what would happen? And Cats happened, and it should never have happened, and I'm so glad it did. I- I don't know where I stand in this conversation as a cat's apologist. <laughs> Jay made me watch the original. I have the book of poems musical. next to me on my bookshelf. I mean, like, fuck T.S. Eliot, but. Yeah, fuck T.S. Um, Eliot. We all know this. I don't, but I believe you. Oh, fuck oh, T.S. Eliot. There are some songs that um, did not make it to the movie, but are in the stage show. Um, and some songs that didn't make it to the stage show that are in the book that are <laughs> very racist. Oh, we're extremely racist. Let's talk about cats, but also, I have to be racist while we do it. Oh, you know, (laughs) tale as old as time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. true. It's true. Um, (laughs) T.S. Eliot is decidedly not a diva. No, no. No. Um, That said, technically, we did finish the game, but there is a bonus round. Ooh! Yay! (laughs) I love a bonus. Our bonus diva. Um, Clue one, goddess of pop. Clue two, slap the shit out of Nicolas Cage. Madonna? No. Okay, keep going. I would love to see that if it happened. That'd be Um, great. No, oh my god, I got who slapped the shit out of who wrong, and I got the slapper wrong, too. We don't need to talk about that, but go ahead, continue. Moving on. Uh, Clue three, gained popularity as half of a husband-wife rock duo. Cher. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I just want you to know that the next two clues were, do you believe in life after love, and makes for a great cat name. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I love my cat Cher. Um, He's... So cute. Yes, my cat Cher does use he, him pronouns, but he's fluid. Any pronouns are fine. Mm. Um, mm. But he is very much a man with a capital M. And we love that for him. Yeah. Absolutely. He's good. He misses me. I can hear him. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can wrap up so you can get back to him. No. Yeah. <laughs> he, well, no. He's fine. He's okay. fine. He's fine. Well, we're near the end of the episode anyway, so thank you very much for being on the show. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Yes, I do, in fact, have things that I would like to plug. So um, you can follow me on all socials um, at DivaBaby, either dot fun or underscore fun or just DivaBabyFun. Um, if you don't want to remember that, you can go to my website, which is www.divababy.fun, and you can be linked to all of my socials. I also have a show coming up just in a couple of days on July 18th. Um, it's called Rhinestone Jet Ski. It is an outdoor drag extravaganza. We uh, always book like four locals and then one out of town headliner. Like I said, we're recording this a month out, so I don't know who the headliner is going to be. But I can assure you that they are probably gaggy and somebody that you need to see perform before you die. Mm-hmm. And I also have a show coming up at Taboo, my immensely, wildly popular, incredible, world-changing, never-been-done-before show, Sad Girl, is coming IRL to Taboo on July 31st, hosted by myself and Tiffany Uma Mascara, and featuring some special guests from Philadelphia, including JonBenet Trailer Trash and Dot Liddell. 
and maybe others. Oh. Who knows? Maybe they'll give us more money um, between now and then. <laughs> yeah. They booked the show before the capacities were increased. So who knows? Maybe there's more people. You can find information for all of that at my website, which is one more time, www.divababy.fun. And that's all I have. Yeah. Um, Hit me up. My Venmo uh, is also linked on my website. If you want (laughs) to pay me, Um, you can absolutely do that. (laughs) Yeah. Do it. (laughs) Anytime too. Yeah. It's never a bad time. It's never, never, it's never a bad time to give a faggot your money. You know what I'm saying? Never a bad time. Mm -hmm. Snap, snap, snap. Uh, if you want to tweet obscure facts about divas at me, I'm on Twitter at underscore glitter goblin underscore. Um, I, and, I sorry, oops. no, I was acting like I was going to say more and then not, there wasn't anything. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I was waiting for like, was it a, well, a dramatic pause? Were you making like an, an acting choice? We didn't know. <laughs> who, who could say this is, see, this is the flaw with the Meisner approach. <laughs> The only one. One of many. One of many. Oh, just the one. Just the one. <laughs> just the one. That's it. Meisner was perfect for every other reason. Yeah, um, Sandy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can find My Gay Agenda on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and I don't know, other places. Um, and while you're there, why not leave us a review, throw stars at us. We love those. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast on Twitter and Instagram at GayAgendaCast. And if you want to join us on a more exclusive and monetary level, you can find us on Patreon.com slash MyGayAgenda. We drop bonus content once a month. And you can join Rachel, the Diva is Diva, Higgins, Quentin J. Alexander, Jim Nolan, and Tiny Sneal. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, put this in your gay agenda. Change the world. Love yourself. Quit something today, just for, just for a bit. <laughs> a little quit, as a yeah. little quit. <laughs> you can do it. Just a little, just a little quitting. It's good for the soul. And that's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. We just want to exist. Hmm. Everybody good? Test, test. I've got waves. Uh, beep, boop, bop, boop, 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 boop. Yep, I'm good. <laughs> I it's only for myself but whenever I open audacity I always sing the same song to test every time and it's test 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 this is a test boop 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 doop <laughs> every time for no one but me it's the little things you know we have to treat ourselves it's true it's true yeah. all right it's a, it's a very betty boop moment it is like I, it's like a little betty boop it's a little mario it's it's yeah. all over the place it's an experience yes if a performer performs for themselves was it a performance yes. think about it oh no no that's a subject i will get immediately <laughs> like passionate about all right we should just start the episode <laughs> okay.